wondering which emerging technology to look out for and which future trends to look out for. Tune into part two of my two-part technology series with Journal of Commerce technology expert Eric Johnson in letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 25. You are not going to miss, want to miss either parts of that two-part series. So make sure you go and check out part one and part two. Part one is in episode 24 and part two is episode 25. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Thank you for tuning in again this week and you will not be disappointed. But first, I want to tell you, so I was talking about featuring you on the show with your supply chain stories or writing a review, but now I'm going to turn it into listener's corner. And that means I want not only your supply chain stories, but I want your supply chain questions. Send me your supply chain questions and stories to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. And I am going to send your questions out to the experts who have been on the show and who are coming on the show in the future. And what I will do is at the beginning of every episode, I will talk about your question and then I will also provide the answers that have been given to me by the experts that have been on the show. So don't be shy. This show is by a supply chain professional for supply chain professionals. And I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to learn from some of the questions that you have because others might have the exact same questions. And I want to make sure that we are tuning into the issues, concerns, challenges that you have in the industry. So remember to send that over. Just quickly, I've got a review of the week for this episode. This is from Macy Osman, and she says, I just wanted to reach out and tell you how much I love the podcast. It was recently recommended to me from a co-worker, and I am hooked. I particularly enjoy the Woman in Supply Chain series. I am currently pursuing my master's in service Service management specializing in supply chain management at Lund University. I am one of two girls in my class of 20. So it's awesome to hear the girl power in the industry. Thank you so much for that amazing review, Macy. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to that coworker who put you on to the show and good luck with everything that you're doing at Lund University. So 
My next guest is the CEO of an award-winning open-source non-profit project, with contributors being a diverse group of global citizens from different countries with expertise and experience in blockchain, supply chain, economics, trade finance, and software development. This company has been named the most innovative use of blockchain in supply chain for 2018. So I am excited to get into this episode with you. Scott Nelson, he founded Sweetbridge in 2016 after realizing the potential of blockchain-based technology to revolutionize productivity and trade philosophy for the world's supply chains. Scott has worked in the supply chain and logistics industries for over 30 years. Previously, he founded Trax Technologies and served as CEO for over 22 years at it evolved, as it evolved from a logistics consulting and software firm into an industry-leading global SaaS and services company operating on four continents. His team's innovations have helped their customers improve their bottom line by hundreds of millions of dollars. So that is the introduction to Scott Nelson. He is the CEO and chairman of Sweetbridge. So welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, Sweetbridge has been featured on many notable outlets, including CNBC, Reuters, Forbes, Econo Times, and Bitcoin Magazine. So I just want to, you know, mention those and just say congratulations on that, because especially for supply chain, it's not necessarily the most sexy subject. And, and so we don't get a lot of media attention, but I want to congratulate you on that. And then I want to talk, I really enjoyed your Sweet Talk number one video. Um, so we're going to cover some of what you and Vinay spoke about in depth on that video. And I'm going to share that video on the website page for listeners to find as well, because it's going to be an extended conversation about what you and I are talking about today. So without further ado, let's get into the first question. So we already know a little bit of your background. Um, why don't you tell us more about Sweetbridge and how you became involved? Well, uh, Sweetbridge is not one of those things that you just think up, you know, one day. Um, it's the result of a lot of years of thinking about how could you do things better? Um, you know, we all have that sense many times when we're going through something where we go, you know, there's just got to be a better way. <laughs> and uh, and that really is what um, what led to Sweetbridge is that seeking a much better way for things to be done. And if uh, you've spent any time in supply chains, and particularly where you get to the issues in the settlement processes and the financing of the things in supply chains, um, you realize just how uh, broken everything is and how much it's really not changed that much from the way it was done hundreds of years ago when we had sailing ships. Yeah, really? <laughs> A little bit broken. I think that uh, I think that things have been been the same for a very, very long time. And because it's been that way for a long time, you're right. It's, I think it's completely broken um, and needs to be fixed. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I realized as you know, when I was sitting on a beach, I'd sold my old business and I was, uh, you know, looking at what was happening in the blockchain. And um, I realized that, you know, the blockchain was really going to change things in ways that people weren't talking about. 
Um, it wasn't about Bitcoin and the rise of value and the speculative trading and ICOs and um, all this. The thing that really struck me was that um, the if you take a look at the Bitcoin network, it's the most powerful computing network on Earth. 10 times more powerful than in all of the computing resources of the Fortune 500 combined. Never been hacked, never gone down. Something that no Fortune 500 company could say. And it is um, built entirely by independent actors who spend on average $2 billion a month to on electricity and hardware to, to keep it running. And there's nobody orchestrating it. There's no central committee that's deciding how the money is going to get spent. There's no master plan. There's uh, there's just an economic game. And that economic game is an economic game that people trust and that gets them to, in, uh, that rewards them in their own self-interest, it rewards them. Uh, and yet they all work together to create this unbelievable computing resource. And that seemed to be missed by everybody. And, I, and when I looked at that and I thought about supply chains, you know, supply chains are the original distributed autonomous organizations. So what if you could turn a supply chain into a game, a game that when people play the game, it works better and they make money? Absolutely. Well, I like the sound of that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the industry that definitely like the sound of that. I mean, so... You know, we've talked about um, a little bit about how, you know, the industry is, is broken. So let's talk a little bit about the state of the industry and why can't companies afford to optimize their supply chain? Um, because you've talked about how supply chain, how we can gain through supply chain. Let's sort of walk through that because I think optimizing supply chain is, is maybe a step back um, from that supply chain gain and then the... the um, what we're talking about as far as blockchain, but I think that that's a really important place to start. Sure. So to understand the real problem, you have to actually step back and realize that we are at this point in history where we are reinventing the entire knowledge base of the world uh, every year and a half or so. And, and that pace is still increasing. And so the, the pace of change is, is just exploding. And it's happening at the same time that the, that the, that the number of choices are also increasing. And, um, and what, what happens in the social science on this is just really fascinating. If, if you give people three choices to which you know they do not have the answer, um, better than 70% will pick an answer. But if you give people um, seven choices of something to which they don't have the answer, less than 30% will pick an answer. And so when faced with more choices, and that's kind of the world we're moving into is things changing so fast and more choices coming at us, we freeze. Absolutely. And, and this is, I think, at the core. The other thing that's happening is that the cost of change is it, it, it keeps in, increasing. So you have a, if, if, if you have a disruptive change that you have to adapt your supply chain to every year and a half or so, and the ROI to, uh, of implementing something to react to that change is a year. Well, you, you haven't paid off your investment in making the change by the time you put the change in place because it takes time to implement. And then you're on to doing the next one. 
And these things start stacking up on top of one another. And that curve in major corporations is now starting to go acetotic. Uh, and, and so you just can't. So both the, the human psychology of, of change is against you and the financing of the change is against you. And so you just cannot keep up and can't keep things optimized. Yeah, which we're seeing a lot of. And I think what you referenced in that video also is that because it keeps everything stagnant, everything is staying mediocre. Correct, because that's the only choice you can pick. So what you have to do is go after low-hanging fruit. And by definition, low-hanging fruit means quick wins. And by definition, quick wins means something you can implement very quickly, but not necessarily something which required would be systemic change. And then what happens is that new organizations that are starting up many times then who don't have these legacy issues and can kind of re-envision how stuff gets done come out of nowhere and just wipe wipe things out so look at amazon i mean what what, what it's done to supply chain is it moved into the supply chain space it didn't have these you know this history it didn't have all this legacy stuff it could reimagine doing things differently and it had an understanding of technology and so it could do something totally radically and it's completely wiping out entire industry segments as a result of its positioning. Yeah, it's just amazing. So, you know, what is the cost to companies then? If change is happening so quickly, I mean, the fact that you even said that it's every 1.5 years uh, has just really blown my mind. But at the end of the day, when you really think about it, it's the reality that we're facing right now. And I, I don't know if if people have quite gotten their heads around it, but there's a cost associated to that. Um, and there's a cost associated to being mediocre. So well, what it, is the it cost? Is. It, the, the cost is really, I'm sorry, let me cut you off there, sir, but um, the cost is extinction. The, the, the cost is that your business won't actually survive because um, you can, you can do these kind of incremental changes and go for the low hanging fruit on things for a while, but we're getting to a point where, where, um, the abil- your ability to kind of eke out of uh, an existence becomes harder and harder and harder to do that because you end up with suboptimal long-term results in, in favor of short-term benefit that uh, are these a stack of Band-Aids at the top of it. And, and then eventually what happens is you cannot compete with some new startup or some new entrant in your market and, and you, you become extinct. Absolutely. And you gave an example also, um, not only about that, but also about mismanaging talent. And I want to go into that for just a brief moment, because I'm hearing a lot from a lot of people that there's a shortage of supply chain talent. And I wanted to ask you if this sort of correlates with what you're talking about as far as cost to company when it comes to people. It, it does because so so what you have in 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 years gone by you had people with decades of experience that had deep expertise in specific areas of logistics supply chain maybe you know um, commercial uh, uh, activities of one kind or another um, and they would get uh, they would be prized and valued inside of organizations because you know Sally man she just knew all of the custom regulations, you know, or, you know, Charlie, you know, he, he knows all the tariffs and, and, you know, things like that. Today with rapid change, what is prized is, um, is kind of the youthful, uh, much more shallow understanding of a very large range of things and the devaluing of expertise. 
And, and so what has happened is you have these incredibly talented people that have deep domain knowledge that have been working at things for decades. And they, and they can, if you put them to us up to optimize the thing that they know so well, like a distribution center or, you know, um, a customs process or something, there's, they, they are peerless. They have no, they have no peer, but they're no longer in the seats of value in companies because they, uh, because the agenda changes so frequently, what you need are these people that can kind of flit in and flit out and get, go an inch deep on a topic and, and they can get, they can get fooled and tricked and, and the real talent is undervalued. And so what, what needs to happen is we need to kind of change the way we view talent in supply chains. And the great news about, um, economic games and the ability to create economic games people can trust, which is what Bitcoin network is. Um, it's an economic game. People can trust the outcome. They know if I do this, I, I, I'm going to get that result. Um, is that you can now create these economic games where people can be incentivized to help optimize supply chains, but who aren't are doing it from the outside, but who now know they will get paid based on the outcome because nobody can debate what the outcome is because the game that they're signing up for and playing is, is controlled by computers that will always do what they've been told and programmed to do. And therefore, you're not, it's not subject to, you know, political change in the organization and who's, you know, in power or other kinds of things. You can create an environment where suppliers and uh, talent in the market is willing to invest time and energy and expertise in optimizing your supply chain. Interesting. So instead of a shortage, it's really just a mismanaging um, and sort of thinking about talent from a different standpoint. It, it, it is. And it's because we've re it, it's, you know, this happens in when these, as a result of the pace of change, we talked about at the beginning, um, the things that were valued at one point now aren't valued, but those people still have value. <laughs> and we need to, we need to redeploy them in different ways. Um, I, I know a guy who's like, I mean, he's an absolute wizard at setting up a distribution center. Um, and he developed his expertise over 20 years for one of the big um, consumer products organizations going around the world, building out distribution centers. And, you know, he just did so many of them that you know, he's seen every problem in every country, you know, that there is. And he's done it two or three times in you know, every new problem that comes up. He's already solved two or three times. So he's so darn good and so efficient and can be doing it so great. But, no company does enough of these things anymore that they can keep him busy except a very small number of companies on earth. And there's not just one person like that. There's thousands of people like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing to consider too is that, you know, with the increase of robotics and, um, you know, computers sort of taking over, over some of the, the jobs and things like that, there's going to be more value emphasized in creativity and critical thinking. Well, and that's part of what's created this problem is that people want these people that understand the new technologies and things. But what you really want is you want to marry the people that have this technology understanding and what it can do with the people that really understand the business problem or process or, or technical problem, whatever. Uh, you want to get them together and you want to create dyads out of those people. And, um, and, and that's where the magic is. 
Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so then let's talk about um, we. Well, I just mentioned you know sort of the robotic side of things, but what is the current biggest impact to supply chain right now, and why? Um, well, I'm going to have a take on this that uh, that may be a little bit different, but I think you'll be interested in. Um, so I I think that the biggest impact in, in, in on on supply chains in general is um, underutilized assets. And I know we're in a world right now where everybody says there's not enough assets because, but I, I, I think there's not enough assets because they're underutilized. <laughs> and if you look at data that is tracked by the um, federal reserve, it has been for the last 50 years, the a- average asset in the supply chain used to be 50 years ago, 90% utilized. That means on any given day, it was utilized, you know, uh, in some way. We're now down to below 75%. And that, and that runs completely opposite to what everybody thinks. But it's because the industry now is so fragmented and so broken apart, and all of these assets are stuck in silos, that um, I might have a, an excess of capacity and somebody else doesn't have enough capacity, but we don't actually work together. Yes, that's where my, I, I, I preach this all the time, but collaboration is the future of business. It is the key, and, and the people, and, and here's why you need an economic game. People don't want to collaborate because uh, in today's world, people would take advantage of that. So um, I, I have a big customer, and they want me to take some business in lanes that I um, I don't really want because I've reached saturation in those lanes, and I'm going to have to add new equipment if I don't, and then I'll be underutilized on some of my equipment. But I end up taking the business anyway because, you know, that, that's what I do because, I, you know, I've got a salesman out there who gets paid in commission. Um, all of the incentives are set up to cause the wrong behaviors <laughs> instead of the incentives in the system being, you know, to optimize the system in, in total and then have the network win. So everybody who participates in the network gets more, makes more. Um you uh, the incentives are for people to capture stuff within their silo and we and, and we have all of our incentive structures set up to do that. So by changing the incentive structures and realigning them in new ways, we can actually get new results. And this was the this is the great lesson of Bitcoin. Um, it's not the, about cryptocurrency or even about the blockchain. It was the fact that People could trust that you didn't have that no one was going to change the rules on the game and move the cheese. And um, and, and because of that, people could make long term investments in how the game worked, uh, investing billions. So what if you did that to a supply chain? And that's kind of the stuff that we're doing. Awesome. Well, okay. So you said that the biggest impact to supply chain is asset. Now I have, uh, I want to throw a couple of things in there. Um, one, I'd like you to talk about 3d printers like you did, uh, with Vinay, um, giving that example, because I think that's really important. But before we get there, yeah, people totally, is- nobody actually recognized, I'm shocked at how people miss what 3d printing is going to do. And I know it got overhyped too soon. It was like AI got overhyped back in the, you know, the, the eighties. And then, you know, it was almost a dirty word and laughable for a while. Now it's all the thing again. Um, 3D's printing is going to be the same way. Yeah. That's why I think it's so important is because, um, and we'll get to that in a minute, but um, 
just a little comment on that is that it's going to change the way we warehouse and inventory product, but we'll get into that in a second. So, but I wanted to ask you quickly before that is where does blockchain and data enter into that as the biggest impact to supply chain? Because my episode before this, I did a two part series with the technology expert at the journal of commerce. And he really thinks that data is, you know, really the most important thing to business right now and for people to get their heads around and and move that forward because if you can get a hold of the data and you can mine the data understand the data then that's really going to help you in the future and then you know you're also talking about blockchain at Sweetbridge and blockchain um you know everybody's sort of wondering is that going to be a huge impact or not and you know, in conversations that I've had is that if you have a blockchain, I have a blockchain and they have a blockchain and nobody's collaborating, is that really going to make an impact? So obviously if everybody has um, the, their own data mechanism, it's not going to be as good as if there's some standards. Um, can, can I step us back though a bit? Because I think we're actually having the wrong dialogue. And I'm not saying you and I, I'm just saying that this idea um, in the space is the wrong dialogue. For, for first, when it comes to blockchain, a block a blockchain is like a computer chip. It's purpose built to do a specific thing, and like a computer chip, it's best when connected to other computer chips. If you went inside of a computer, it'd be made up of a bunch of different chips, and they actually communicate together. That's actually what's going to happen in the blockchain. Okay, um, so and- sorry, just one thing on that then. Yes. So, for example, like Maersk is is doing a blockchain with IBM and then other people are doing blockchains, but unless they collaborate and speak to each other, is it really going to do much to the industry? No, it won't, but it's, but it, it doesn't matter <laughs> um, because the, the, the early said, so it's not about technology. Uh, um, and, and let me try to give an example. Um, I was involved in the very early days of the internet uh, prior to it becoming, you know, even called the internet. Uh, when it was a defense department project and um, everybody thought that the, the, the real use case for the internet was um, email. And then, um, you know, we created the web browser and people thought, well, it's going to be publishing electronic publishing. That's going to be the really big use case. And, um, and then, uh, you know, people thought, well, Every business is going to be um, putting online catalogs and newspapers started doing things like taking their classifieds and putting on stuff for finding stuff. And, and so creating websites was going to be the big business. Everybody missed the whole point. The, the, everybody, everybody missed the whole point. The big business is business models. That's what business was new business models that the Internet enabled. That was the big business. Online shopping had never been dreamed of. People didn't even know about it. And it's a $2.6 trillion market growing at 20% a year. That That's how big it is now. It didn't exist. Nobody even thought of it. It's a new business model. You have people like Amazon and eBay, and these are completely new business models. Um, they So the, the, the real issue is what new business models does the technology enable and in supply chains it enables some amazingly powerful business new business models that will take time for people to recognize 
But those business models will make the issue of standards and people kind of agreeing on data and everything mute because they will be so powerful economically that everybody will want to play. And what gets people to work together and collaborate together is money. It's making money and the ability to make money. Um, that's what will get people to, to, to do things. And so the question is, where's the killer business model that's going to emerge? And what does that look like in supply chains? And then how will that actually drive all the data to come together in a way that could be shared? Because the incentives have to be to share the data for it to be something that's positive, right? Yeah. And, and so the answer to that question, we believe, is liquidity. Okay, and we that that goes into our next question actually. So maybe we'll we'll park the three D printers for now. All right, and go into the liquidity. <laughs> so, I like three D printer example. Yeah, we'll we'll do the three D printers. Another after. podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe at the end of this one because I really liked your example on that one. But so let's get into the liquidity then. Okay, so you are saying that data and blockchain together pretty much are going to also be a big impact to supply chain. Um, they are, but it's going to be through new business models. Yeah, new business and, models will drive it. Yeah. And it's going to take a little bit longer um, than the asset part of it that you're saying is, is a big impact to supply chain. So let's get into liquidity then. What does this mean uh, for supply chain and why does it need to become liquid? Well, because the supply chains of the world control um, over a hundred trillion dollars worth of assets most of which are not liquid in the sense that they, um, they, they, they are not borrowed against um, because it's cost so much money to borrow money against those assets that it's not worth it. So people don't. Um, and this is, this is a really huge impediment. And if you add in the issue of just the time to get payment in the supply chain process, it is um, – you, you add another, you know, twenty-seven to thirty trillion dollars, depending on who you ask. So it's uh, it, it's a really big number. These are really, really, really big numbers. Okay, this is numbers bigger than the entire GDP of the world. So um, it's they, they're really big numbers. <laughs> so the the thing that will basically drive data actually being shared in a way is because if you share it, you get cheap access to money. And that's, that is the surprising, that is the thing that will drive it. That's going, that means if you look at a, a boat, a ship, uh, you look at a warehouse, they are bank vaults of the future. They're bank vaults that hold the, the, the assets, which are the raw materials, the commodities, the, the finished goods that are inside of them. And they have physical control over them. And we have a world now where, where the e-commerce sites are markets. And this means that you can literally treat uh, Kleenex as, a, as an asset. Um, and you can borrow against it because you can actually market to market on an e-commerce site. And if somebody basically doesn't uh, you know, honor their obligation, you can use the logistic service providers of the world to deliver the, you know, the Kleenex to a new customer who will pay for it and pay off the obligation. And so this is the perfect, this means that the logistics service providers of the world can become the new merchant banks and can do it 
on asset classes that today are difficult and expensive to borrow against and can provide liquidity at half to a quarter of the cost of what they people would be able to, to get liquidity on those assets for in the market today. And in order to do that, you have to share the information. So, so access to cheap capital is the business model that will drive the sharing of the information because otherwise you don't get the free, you don't get the, the cheap capital. And that will mean that the people will have to con connect the data from these different blockchains, which isn't that hard to do, by the way. And, <clears throat> and that will make this whole discussion mute. And that will free up trillions. We're talking trillions of dollars. Trillions. And people, you just cannot imagine how big a number the trillion is. It is such a huge number. It's just, it's astonishing. And these companies will be able to make far more money by actually being merchant banks than they will by uh, actually moving the goods. That is really interesting. And it brings me to a point because there are some technology providers that are coming into the space saying that they want to get rid of logistics providers. Well, the, the, so that's just a play on words. Okay. They're not talking about getting rid of uh, warehouses or, um, you know, uh, you know, trains or, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, trucks or, or other things. They're just saying, well, you don't really need the logistic service providers infrastructure to do it. And and that I actually kind of, you know, agree with, but it's kind of a fake argument. Um, if you turn over to a network, all of the assets, which I do believe will be the long-term result, um, somebody still has to orchestrate the assets and kind of oversee them and manage them to some degree. And somebody has to actually, you know, make sure that goods come in and go out of, of warehouses and, you know, robots can do some stuff, but, um, you know, you're still going to have to have real world things operating and doing stuff and whether that they're controlled as part of a loosely associated network of entities or whether it's, uh, they're, they're part of some larger network, um, set of conglomerates. Um, it, the effects will be similar. I, I kind of think what will happen is more decentralization than, than, than centralization, supply chains would work better that way because they're like the internet, they're, you know, they're a network. Uh, but the really, the powerful engine, the engine that will drive it is liquidity. Because if, if I come to you as a business and I say, how would you like to add uh, $2 billion to your balance sheet? Oh, I'm, I'm really interested in that. Okay. I'm very interested in how to do that. Uh, tell me how to do that. Okay. Well, um, you, we just need to give liquidity to your suppliers and um, to do that, they're going to have to share these pieces of information. I'm all on that. Okay. I understand how to basically make that happen. That's how it's going to work. So when you say liquidity, what exactly do you mean? Just, just cash. Answers. Cash. Cash on the barrel head. But it actually won't be cash. That's a different. I don't know. If we, we don't have time to get into this, but it will be a cash equivalent. So, um, a cash equivalent is something which is exchangeable for cash uh, without a loss of, of value within five days or less. Okay. So like a treasury bill would be a cash equivalent. Uh, you know, um, some forms of governmental bonds would be cash equivalents. Um, basically, AAA rated instruments that have markets would be considered uh, cash equivalents. Okay. Gotcha. The blockchain allows you to take, you know, all the asset classes in the world and convert them into a new asset class that is fungible by tokenizing them, and which is fungible and can be treated on the balance sheets of corporations of cash. 
And that means you can exchange those things and uh, instead of actually moving the cash, and the reason you want to move cash on international boundaries is because it's expensive. Um, and big conglomerates already do this. They make most of their, they make big companies like Cargill actually make most of their money from basically not moving the commodity and not moving the cash. But the smaller organizations have to have actually move the commodity and move the cash. They just make an accounting entry in their books. Interesting. Okay. The blockchain enables you to do that. Okay. So then what is the solution? Um, we can talk a little bit more about what you're doing at Sweetbridge, because I think part of the solution is going to come through your alliance. You've got an economy and an ecosystem. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, at Sweetbridge, um, what we're doing is we are taking these old business models that exist in supply chains and business, and, 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 uh, of channel masters and uh, other big players in the supply chains and logistics businesses. And we are showing them how to change their business model into a business model that is far more profitable, much easier to operate, and which they can uh, make a, a lot more money and which will be self-optimizing uh, instead of one where they have to overly steer and manage and control it. And one where when they open their business model up and, sh and connect with their competitors and, and actually join with other people in the space, it actually enriches them. It makes them more and more, more profitable. And in fact, the more competition they can bring into the game and play the same game, the more profitable everybody becomes. And that's what, that's what we do. Okay. So your target market is more on the side of like a large ship, shipper. No, uh, we actually, our target is, uh, um, we have three major targets. We have channel masters, sellers of anything and buyers of anything, including people. So we have uh, products that we're releasing. Uh, uh, we'll be um, releasing this fall for average consumers and we're test marketing them in uh, London and uh, hopefully uh, um, Phoenix. Uh, but these will be products that will be for average consumers. Um, and then we have uh, products that are for, uh, you know, channel masters, really large corporations where we're, we're saying, let us help you change your business model from a brick and mortar industrial air business model into a decentralized business model where, your your supply chain automatically becomes self-optimizing and and, and 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 your suppliers actually help you optimize and your competitors actually help you optimize. Uh, and then people that, that sell stuff, um, whether it's a coffee shop on the, on the corner or a, um, a supplier of, uh, you know, small business who's got a small you know, manufacturing or fabricator or, or whatever, um, we have products for them too. So we're trying to help everybody who makes up commerce and supply chains are nothing more than the, the blood in commerce. They're the, the blood that feeds the body of commerce uh, to be able to do things uh, better than they can do them today, lower costs than they can do them today, less effort than they can do them today, but actually make more money than they can do today. Okay. So if I'm a small to medium sized business, um, I can approach you and you can help me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're doing we have we have uh, pilot projects with farmers. With um, uh, we've got a, a big announcement coming up here in another uh, month or two, where we're going to be doing an entire supply chain, all the way from ground all the way to retail. Wow! Every, everybody in between. 
And does it cost me anything? Or, I mean, I guess you can get into that from an individual basis, I guess. But because <laughs> yeah, you're, and the only reason why in I general, have, uh, in, in, you know, the Sweetbridge is weird. Um, if you're not familiar with um, models like ours, because we're we're not for, we're not for profit, and we're entirely open source. So it's not that there aren't fees; it's just that we're not in it to make money um, from the fees. Uh, we actually make money from appreciation of our loyalty system. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you about that because it definitely is a different model. I mean, there's not a lot of not for profit in the supply chain space. So, how does that work? Well, so the reason it's done that way is uh, because nobody would trust somebody doing what we're doing if, if they had profit motives because we, we could become too powerful. So we realized that we needed to set up not just a nonprofit, but a, a, a global alliance of, uh, of not-for-profit organizations that would, uh, would actually maintain the network and the technology. It, much like nobody would trust one company to provide all of the um, web service and web servers uh, for the world. You know, the Linux Foundation is a nonprofit foundation. It, it provides, you know, high 90% of all the web service um, and, and websites are run on Apache server, um, which is a not, not-for-profit uh, foundation that uh, was uh, created by IBM, and, and then they spun it off and donated it to the world. Um, well, we've done the same thing, and we're donating what we do to the world. As a, all of our tech is free, um, it, you don't pay anything for the technology. Anybody can use it. Um, anybody can, you know, take it and do something with it to build on top of it or do something else with it. That's perfectly all right. Well, I think that that what you're doing is amazing because I I'm all about the collaboration piece. I'm all about the giving back. So. You know, thank you so much for what you guys are doing, you know, in this space and globally and, and for the world. So before we get into what's next for Sweetbridge, why don't you tell us how people can get in touch with you and Sweetbridge? Because I'm sure you're going to have a bunch of people knocking down your door now. <laughs> uh, well, it's just Sweetbridge.com. You go to Sweetbridge.com and um, you can learn more about different things, aspects of what we're doing. And, uh, and there's lots of places where you can get involved and engage through different social media channels and, uh, and other things. Awesome. Awesome. Are you guys on uh, social media at all? Are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, um, if you go to our website, you can pick whatever your favorite social media medium is and engage with us through that. They're all very prominently displayed. Okay. And people can connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm sure too, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. All right. So what's next for Sweetbridge? You sort of talked about, you know, building that supply chain from ground up. What else are you guys working on? Uh, well, a lot of it I can't talk about um, because we're under, you know, non-disclosures and whatnot, but uh, a lot will be revealed this coming fall. Um, you know, we are trying to bring blockchain to the real world, um, not just the, the play world. And there's a lot of people doing, conference room pilots and little proofs of concepts and stuff. Uh, you know, we, we will be doing stuff at scale and with really big, you know, numbers of participants being involved here, um, you know, towards the end of this year, we'll be able to talk about it. So just watch the news. Yeah. Or uh, sign up for your newsletter. You have a newsletter. 
We we do. You can sign up online, um, at, for and we have a community you know broadcast that we put out, uh, keeping people informed about what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, so make sure to stay connected because it sounds like they have a ton of really amazing things coming up. Now, we didn't get a chance to get into the 3D printers and the example and everything like that. So because I'm going to have that video on the website page for this episode, make sure to go and check out that video so you'll be able to um, hear all about why 3D printers are going to have a big impact on supply chain and uh, the example of just one of them that have come to light right now. So how will we all survive and thrive in this new economy with everything changing so much so fast? Well, hopefully Scott and I have given you some insights, ideas, and a lot to think about in terms of your supply chain and the pace of change that is headed our way. Thank you to Scott and the team at Sweetbridge for making this happen, as I'm sure you have found this enlightening, just as enlightening as I have. Anyways, for all the information videos and links it will be up at the website let's talk forward slash season two dash episode 26 and we will be watching scott we'll be watching what you're doing what sweetbridge is doing and i wish you all of the best thank you so much for coming on the show today thank you so much if you liked this episode, make sure to check out the extended video posted under this episode 26 at letstalksupplychain.com. You may also like my two-part series with blockchain experts Sapna Malhotra and Julie Shum under season two dash episode 15 and 16. Next week, supply chain royalty is on the show. Yes, that's right. We've got Sherry Hanish. The supply chain queen and king is here on the show. Sherry is my woman in supply chain series part nine, and we will be chatting about her journey to success, co-creation, and her advice on making it in supply chain. Make sure to check that episode out. There are a few ways to support me and the show. So here is how you can support me and the show. If you are drowning in a sea of acronyms, pick up my 107-page supply chain dictionary at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop and visit ships.com that's s-h-i-p-z.com and sign up to be one of the first to know what my team and I are working on it's getting even more exciting as we start development so we will be contacting those who have signed up very shortly to let you know what we're doing Plus, you can rate and review the show on iTunes for two reasons. One, to be featured on the show, and, and another, to help others find us. Plus, remember that I am just launching Listener's Corner, and that is going to be at the beginning of every single episode. Send me your best supply chain stories but please send me your supply chain questions and I am going to go to the experts to get the answers for you and I will feature that question and all the answers in the beginning of every show. So make sure to send that to listeners at let's talk, listener at letstalksupplychain.com and your supply chain story, it could be a small victory, it could be a funny story or it could be a story of how you overcame a challenge that somebody else might be going through and they want to learn about that too. Too. So send those over to me too, because I will be featuring those in the listener's corner. So that's, let's, um, you know, spread some supply chain love. But listen, that's all from me for today. Have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens. <laughs> <laughs>